Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as, Don, just as John taught his disciples. <clears throat> he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him bread because he has a friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. And we do just pray God really speaks today. Uh, this is his word. Amen. In this passage here we, we read, there's, there's two times this prayer is mentioned. It's often known, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord Jesus gave this prayer as an example to his disciples when they asked the question, Lord, teach us to pray. The other uh, version, slightly longer version, is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. What this prayer is, is an example from the Lord Jesus to show his followers and believers in him an example of how to pray. It's like a pattern with the ingredients in it. But you get a recipe together and there's various ingredients in it. And you know that if you put those various ingredients in it at some kind of measure, it's going to come up with an end result that's going to be hopefully something nice to eat. Correct? Yeah. And there's various ingredients in terms of prayer life. And uh, I, w- I would just like to walk through that here today as part of this, as, uh, part of this message. What should our prayers to God include? So it's interesting, that the prayer starts with the, the statement, Father. Now that statement, Father, if you think about it in relation to God here, wouldn't have been a typical uh, term that the Jewish people would have used, or people of that day would have, would have thought of using. Quite, quite an informal, quite a personal term. Really, the word used there was Abba, which is like Daddy. A very, very personal term. And I do know enough to know that the, the people of, of God, you know, had great reverence from the name of God. Yeah? Many of them wouldn't speak his name. They had great reverence for it. So it was quite radical for the Lord Jesus Christ to, to, to stand up and say to his disciples, when you start to pray, start and say, Father. Now, that term, Father, it speaks, if you think about it in human terms, it speaks of a very personal relationship. I'm Nathan's father there. That was one of him that was up <laughs> And Bethany and Rachel is not here. It's a personal relationship. And I would suggest to you here that this pattern of prayer starts with a personal relationship with our Father, God. 
how do we get a personal relationship with our Father? John three chapter, uh, chapter three verse sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life." For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. In John fourteen. Uh, verse 6 Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you really knew me you would know my father as well from now on you do know him and have seen him in Romans 10 and verse 9 it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved there's a very sort of clear message there the Lord Jesus, um, God's only Son, came to this earth for a reason. There's separation between God and man, and that separation is sin. It's our sinfulness, and it creates a barrier in relationship between us and our Father God. He is our great creator. He created the world. He created all of us. But there's that sin problem that creates that real, real barrier from the day that we're born And if you know uh, your Genesis, you'll know where it was rooted with Adam and Eva way back in the garden when they, they disobeyed God and sin and fallen nature came into the, came into the world. So there is, a, there is a problem there separating, separating us from that personal relationship. But we read there that God has given us a great gift. We're thinking today about gifts, yeah? A good father gives good gifts. Why? Because our Father is loving. Now I know that while I'm talking about it in terms of Father, it's not always like that in life, isn't it? Not because we, we as fathers, I as a father, fail my children. I, I can fail them. I can let them down. I cannot be what I should be. But it's not like that with God. The Bible tells us that God is absolutely good. That God is absolutely perfect. So therefore, he would only want good and perfect things for his children, wouldn't he? And what he wants is to restore us to a right relationship with himself. But there's a problem of sin. So God the Father said to God the Son, Will you go and sacrifice yourself on behalf of all of us? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely incredible? It's hard to take in, isn't it? And Jesus came and he was born as a baby. We're coming up to the Christmas time. This is Operation Christmas Child. The gift of God. Jesus born to live a perfect life and to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins personally. And to be raised on the third day conquering sin and conquering death. Isn't that an incredible gift? I think for, for the rest of my life I'll still be understanding the depths of that. Yeah? What, what it means for the love of God and what Jesus did. We're going to watch a, a short video clip just now and then I'll continue. When I was a little girl, I received a shoebox. That changed my world. I was born in uh, in Romania. I remember being a sad atmosphere because. 
because uh, Romania was under a communist regime at that time. We didn't have many toys. Some children only received an orange for Christmas, and that was about it. We went to church, and there was a big celebration there. A lot of happy people just came with a lot of shoeboxes, handing them out to the children. All my friends were there, and we were waiting in line. And I received a golden box, and I was so excited because I was thinking someone was so wonderful to just send me a gift, just like that. I received a gift. Little did I know that that shoebox was going to literally change my life and my outlook and my perspective on life. So I found a quiet spot and I went and I opened my shoebox. And as I opened the lid, I was so excited and I just did this. And then I quickly put the lid back. Can I give? What can I give? 
and then from wanting to hide that box and put it under the bed and not letting my brother touch it, come anywhere near it, the next day I decided I'm going to share my colors. And I let my friend borrow the ponytails for a birthday party because I realized that when you love, you give. And that was such a valuable lesson that I learned through a shoebox. And that is something I want to teach my children, that it is not how much you have, it's how much you give. Now I'm married in Canada and we have three children and we are just trying to teach our children the importance of giving. So if you've never packed a shoebox, I would encourage you to do so. It is such a small gift and is so insignificant for us. And when I think of the millions of children that are still in poverty and in need, that just breaks my heart. And we can do something. How can we demonstrate God's love more than when we give? Love is doing. Love gives. Love gives. When, when you think about your greatest need, what is our greatest need? Elizabeth sang beautifully there. Oh, how I need you, Lord. Maybe sometimes we go through life and we don't really know we need anything. But maybe we just come to a realisation that we, there is a God there and he loves us and he wants to give us a gift. <laughs> and that gift is greater than we could ever imagine. I love that image of that golden box. Yeah? Can you imagine what that was like for that lassie in Romania? Who doesn't, maybe would get an orange for Christmas. And all of a sudden there's a gold box. <laughs> you know, maybe we, we will have received a lot of gifts maybe in our life. And we live in quite a privileged society, don't we here, really? And uh, we're very blessed by that. But uh, I'm here to tell you today, I received a gift when I was seven years old of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal saviour and coming into a right relationship with Father God and he forgave all of my sins because I believed in Jesus at seven years old and he stayed with me my whole life and he promises he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me and he's given me his spirit and he's asked me to do something he's asked me to tell other people about it and the lady said you know love gives and First of all, you have to realise you have a need. <laughs> I remember even at seven thinking, I need God. I didn't understand everything, but I knew he had done this wonderful thing for me. I knew Jesus had done this wonderful thing. And in my seven-year-old mind, I realised I had to do something about it because I was a sinner. I had done wrong things. And I wanted to go to heaven when I died. <laughs> and I wanted to know God now in this life. And I wanted to have that assurance that the other people had and interestingly my story was that my cousin who was just a little bit younger than me maybe about six years old had just given her heart to the Lord Jesus and just received that gift of salvation and forgiveness for her sins and she'd realised that she was now right with God and she was over the moon about it uh, but she burst out crying uh, one night with me and my brother in my grandparents house and the reason she was crying was she says Graham and Colin don't have it what I've got and it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
it just really hit me. God just used that to really impact me. The fact that somebody, it was as if somebody just received something wonderful. And they were like, I want you to have it as well. And it really touched my heart. So I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus that night, and so did my brother. And then we opened up the box. <laughs> and, and you know, through life, God provided so many things. It's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with him. He's provided so much. So many gifts. First of all, the gift of his presence in your life. The first thing we're told as Christians is when you become a Christian, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's part of that's God. His presence in your life. And what a difference it makes. Maybe you've made that decision at some point in your life, and I'm sure you noticed the change. Amen? Maybe you've spoken to somebody that says they're a Christian, and maybe you see the change. The change is God. God coming into someone's life and saving someone and changing it, and it pouring out all the gifts. That we don't really deserve. But God is our good father. And he wants to give us all this. First of all forgiveness for sins. But then a whole lot of other things. Because he's got a plan. And you know it kind of breaks your heart. About the children that are in need. But praise God that there's missions like this. That you can give into it. And you know that it's integrous. And I've spoken to people in Uganda. That get these boxes. And I know they're probably going to give it to refugees in different circumstances around Europe as well I'm hearing this year even closer to home praise the Lord for that but the last year also, you also get a message in it the message of God's love for them for God so loved the world she said and what an impact it's had and what an impact it can have in, in your life as well but you have to take the gift I found it interesting in the story actually that Sometimes we have that tendency, we, we see something really great and it looks really attractive, but we don't actually, maybe there's something holding us back. You know, I, I once had a friend and he's, he heard all about the story about Jesus and I shared, similar to what I'm sharing today, about we need forgiveness for our sins and, and uh, that anyone can do it and that God's just provided all this for us. And uh, he said to me, I don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think that if I did this, you know, it would mean quite a lot of commitment because he knew that a Christian would have certain responsibilities that he saw and he, he just felt that he wasn't, wasn't good enough. I said, you don't have to be good enough. That's the point. We're not good enough. God is the one that's good and God is the one that's done everything for us. We, so, so maybe things like that hold you back. You think, I can't keep this up. Maybe you think, I, I can't actually, how am I going to start telling my family and my friends? what I've done but you can because the minute you receive this gift of the Lord Jesus Christ you also receive the Holy Spirit of God and it changes your life Amen it may seem a bit strange that uh, God has led me to speak on this this morning and to speak on it from, from the Lord's Prayer and just to recap what I was saying there when, when we have this pattern of praying and we address our Father. Bear in mind what, what I've been saying about coming into right relationship with our Father. What a gift He's given. Then it says, Hallowed or holy be your name. Now that speaks of us, although we have that personal relationship with 
our father and, and that term was very close and personal and when you come into relationship with him it's like that it's also a, a reverent relationship because he is God and he is awesome and he is creator and he is mighty and he's also just and all those things are right earlier on so there's a balance to knowing that personal relationship but also having a respect and a reverence for God when we pray about who he is then it says your kingdom come this is really and this happens when you give your life to the, to the Lord and you become a Christian that you realise pretty quickly you have to start submitting yourself to, to him and uh, you start getting promptings about it the things you used to do suddenly you've got a voice in your head <laughs> has anyone experienced that? I experienced it in my life and that's God's spirit prompting you and, and helping you to know what's right and wrong and when you read God's word you read you know, the things that are good and the things that are right and you get instructed and you know, obviously in church that's what we do in church as well so we learn, we know what's right and wrong and uh, we then have a choice to make as a Christian are we going to submit to God's will or are we going to do my will because <laughs> he doesn't force us to do anything so that's a good prayer isn't it Father, intimacy hallowed be your name, you're awesome and holy and I have reverence for you your kingdom come now Matthew adds your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that just emphasises the point, what we're praying there is that ultimately I'm not asking you God to do things that I want what I'm asking, because I know that you're good and you're perfect I'm asking you to do your will in my life and on earth that's a good prayer isn't it I pray that a lot, we pray that a lot in our prayer meetings we often don't know exactly what God's plan is in our life so we're praying for wisdom we're praying God your will be done there's a few things I'm not sure about your will be done show me the way and we, we see the way from learning from the scriptures that is God's word to us and we need to remember that and if anything anyone says to you doesn't line up with God's word then throw it out because <laughs> God's word is infallible and perfect yeah so always check everything against God's word when, in terms of looking for God's will yeah because I've often heard it said you know and this happens as Christians God's telling me to do something but if God's apparently telling you to do something that's not backed by scripture then God is not telling you to do that because this is his word yeah so, but God does have specific times we do guidance in specific ways and I've, I've found that in my life he's guided me in my career He's opened up doors where I've prayed to him and I've asked him, God, I don't know which door to go through here. Could you just lead me through the right one? And you know what? Every time he's done it. And I know that I've been in his will. Well. Now, another thing about his will is his will is not always easy. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you'll have trouble. And uh, we actually had a testimony last Sunday morning from Jim Kinsella which was excellent and what he was saying was we, when we're preaching this good news message about Jesus we shouldn't water it down first of all we need to talk about the fact that we're sinners and we need a saviour and you need to confess your sin which is the next part I'm getting to um, but also the, the, the Christian life isn't always easy in fact it can be really difficult because we, we come under persecution as Christians we live even in a society just now don't we that being a Christian isn't popular it might not be popular in your family. It might not be popular in your workplace or in your community. Yeah, It wasn't popular back in the day of the disciples either. Their lives were on the line. 
But they knew it was true, they knew their Father. They knew their Saviour, they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Their lives had been transformed, they were empowered. And your will be done. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Even he said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, your will be done, Father. And he submitted himself, even though he knew he was going through pain and suffering on the cross. How difficult and incredibly hard that would be for our Saviour. And he, he had the human aspect to him as well as God. And he, he knew what that meant. He says, Thy will be done. He was calling us to do the same. And at the end of the day, if Jesus hadn't went to the cross, what a terrible position we would all be in. But Thy will be done. He did it. He conquered. He went through the pain and the suffering. And he's alive. Because he did the will of his Father. And for us as well, we may go through suffering and pain and we may say to God, why are you taking me through this? What the Lord, I think, would say to you is, I'm with you. My spirit is in you. As this is to a believer, my spirit is in you. I am with you. I said I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I'll take you through this to the other side. Amen? And we're promised in the future as Christians greater things. I mean, I knew at seven years old, just from hearing from my cousins and from church, I knew there was a heaven. Yeah? I knew there was a heaven and a hell. And you know, we're promised if we trust in Christ, we, we have a wonderful future, not only in this life with his presence with us, but the perfection that it is when we go to heaven. What is that going to be like? Yeah? <laughs> when there's no more death... There's no more tears. There's no more crying. We're in a fallen sinful world just now. But that's all going to be wrapped up. And the only reason it's not getting wrapped up right now. Is that God has been patient. And God has been loving. And he wants as many people as possible. To come to faith in Jesus. Isn't that great? And there are sinful and destructive. And evil things in this world. That are happening. And they're going to be wrapped up. And the Lord is going to put an end to that. But until that day. There's an opportunity for all of us to come to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I believe this with all my heart. I believed it all since seven years old. I know his presence is with me. And I know it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I commend them to you. Submit. So, our Father, hallowed and holy be your name. Submitting to his will and purposes. And then requests. You know, sometimes if you're anything like me, you would start your prayer with a request. And, and often even before we maybe, maybe we, we don't even know God really personally. Or most people would say they pray. Yeah? And, and most people would say, I pray when things are really bad. You know, when I'm going through a really difficult circumstance. Even folks that wouldn't, wouldn't call themselves having a faith have said to me, I, I pray. And uh, that's good. I think it's an inbuilt sense that we need God. <laughs> yeah. But also as Christians, we can, we can tend to get a wee bit imbalanced. And sometimes we launch in and all that we pray about is asking God for things. Instead of, you know, starting by looking at who he is and giving him thanks for who he is. Yeah. Our prayer meetings on Wednesday night are a really precious time. And often God's bringing to our minds things to give thanks to him about. And often it's not requests. And there are segments of it that are requests. But often it's, it's worship and it's thanksgiving. And that's praying. But there is an element where we get to the requests. <laughs> Give us each day our daily bread. That's really practical, isn't it? Lord, I need food on the table. <laughs> Lord, I need a job. 
I need some way to look after my family. Now God, it says elsewhere in scriptures that the Lord, he knows everything you need before you ask him. Because he's God and he knows everything. But he still, it's a, bit, it's a mystery. God wants us to ask him. And it's really like the human relationship of father and son. My son Nathan, he comes and he asks me for all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Dad, I want the latest Minecraft game, if you know what Minecraft is. Or whatever the latest thing is. Right? Sometimes I'll say yes. Okay, son. But I think 95% of the time I say, sorry, son, or no. <laughs> and, you know, as a, even as a parent, you know what it's like. You can't give your kid everything. Because if you, get, if, if you give them everything, they'll be spoiled. <laughs> or, or if you give them everything, it'll not be good for them. It'll not be helpful to their life. So what do you do as a father? You filter things through and you hear, here's all these requests coming. Uh, I need this daddy, I need this daddy, I need this daddy. And you say, right, okay, based on my understanding of good things, yes, yes to these and no to the rest. <laughs> yeah? And even as, even as just normal earthly human people, we have that, we want the best for our children. And we filter things for them. So God is like that. And, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, well, I prayed about this situation and, you know, nothing's happening. Or, or God's done something different. Or it's just not worked out the way I, I wanted it to work out. Now, the one thing that we are asked to do is ask. Yeah? We're, we're told we should ask. But it's up to God as to what the answer is. And sometimes in my life, when the answer's been no, it's taken me a wee bit of time to come to terms with that. Right? Or when things don't happen in the, in the, in the timing I'm looking for, I just end up realising that maybe that's something God doesn't want for me. Yeah? Because, because ultimately we're saying, God, your will... I find that more helpful if you rewind to the previous part. Your will be done, Lord. I'm actually just going to add it up with my job situation early, early on. I just said, God, I don't know what to do. So I'm just asking you to open the right doors because I don't have a clue. There are so many potential jobs that I could do here. And God, I believe, guided me and answered that prayer. Um, sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Be patient. Because God's timing, I remember Kathy saying this over the years actually, and she would say, God's timing is absolutely perfect. And sometimes, even in relation to the work here, we would wait and wait and wait and nothing would happen. And we would keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. Like for example, when the buildings here were awarded to our bootmakers and to a pub, <laughs> and we kept praying, because we really did feel that God wanted his work to be established in these buildings, this building. We believed we had a word from God about it. We believed it was his will. We'd been praying for it. And then everything went, went the other way. Total opposite way. But strangely, I remember sitting in the pivot centre. And on Wednesday nights, we just continued to pray. And we didn't really get worried about it. <laughs> we must have been off. <laughs> but we had such a... We had walked around this building when it was a cooperative supermarket. And we just knew and believed that this was the place God wanted us to be in. And it's one of those circumstances where God said, wait for it. So we kept praying, kept believing, and and uh, ultimately miracles happened, and and we're here. <laughs> and it is a set of miracles. But maybe in another circumstance, God would say, "No, I've got something better for you." Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Because nothing's impossible with God. He can do things that are beyond our imagination, 
And just because they're not happening quickly doesn't mean they're not going to happen at all. The next, the next really important aspect about praying uh, is confession. You know, I said earlier on that when you give your heart to the, the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive your sins, that it's a once and for all time transaction. Yeah? And we're taught that in the scriptures that when we ask God to forgive us our sins that we are brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and we're transferred and our sins are uh, cancelled. Yeah? In fact, there's a, there's a scripture that talks about a, you know, a written accusation against us as if it was on a piece of paper like this. You know, if your sins were written on a piece of paper and it talks about them being nailed uh, to the cross. And when you make that transaction with Jesus, your sins that are there are are written off. And then there's a psalm that talks about God casts your sins as far as east is from the west. He casts them away from his, his, his thoughts. Yeah? So I believe that is what the scripture teaches, that when you make that, you receive that gift, that's what happens, and you confess your sins. But also, there are things that block us in our relationship with God as a Christian. And the things that block us are, are still we, we sin. Hands up who is a Christian here that hasn't sinned in the last week. That hasn't done anything that we think is against what God's word would teach us to do in, in the perfect sense of the word. I couldn't put... I, could, <laughs> I don't think any of us could put up our hand. Yeah? Nancy's thinking about it. <laughs> but, but, but the Lord understands our weaknesses. That's why when he's given us this pattern of prayer, he includes confession. Yeah? Not because we need to go all over again and be saved again. Because that's happened. But because we need to stay in a good relationship with God. So a healthy thing to do is to, every day to confess. Every day, if there's anything coming to your mind, give it to God and say, Sorry Lord, I've done something against you. Would you please forgive me? And it just puts you in a good step. You're walking in line with what God's plan is for your life. And you know that you'll be able to hear from him clearer. You'll be able to know that you're in the centre of his will. And you're not in rebellion. Now it also says we should also forgive everyone who sins against us. And that sounds quite a dramatic statement, doesn't it? Forgive everyone uh, who sins against us. Now I believe there's a principle here in, in spiritual places of just as we've received the gift of forgiveness, that's unconditional and it's total, that we should also give out that gift of forgiveness that is unconditional and total. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise. So we can be in situations that are abusive. We can be in situations where the other person that we're, we're being asked to forgive is not someone that we should be, you know, letting in really close to our lives. Yeah? That's the reality. Not everyone that we're forgiving here is maybe a Christian or somebody that's actually living right. Hmm? So we need to be wise. But in spiritual places, I can tell you, I've forgiven people who have never really had the chance to properly reconcile with. I would have liked to. But they're not willing to do it. But what I believe we're asked to do here is as far as it's possible for us, deal with the spiritual side of things. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold bitterness in your heart. And the way you do that, the way I found to do that is just to th think about how, how much I've been forgiven. How unconditional that was. How total that was. And just in light of that, being able to have the grace. And also to look past the person. Look past the person and see, the, see someone who Christ died for. And who ultimately we should be praying for that they would, they would repent. Yeah? And we can pray.
pray for folks, even folks that have hurt us. It's been really, really difficult. And sometimes maybe that's a block for us coming to God as well because we feel as if we can't do that. You can do that. God can help you to do that. Sometimes it takes some time, but he can give you the strength and the power to let go of some, some of those hurts. Amen? Forgiveness is the focus. Spiritual forgiveness is the focus. Then, finally, uh, there's a prayer for protection. Because as Christians, we're told we have an enemy. As we live in this element of time, there is a devil. Satan is real. A fallen angel. And comes against believers. And we're, we're also we're told to pray against temptation. But Matthew 6 verse 11 also adds to it, deliver us from the evil one. So it's, help, it's telling us to be aware that there's an enemy. To be aware that there's evil things in this world. And we don't need to look far to know that there's evil. One of the reasons that some people don't come to God is they say, well, why did the bad things happen? Well, the bad things happen because Satan is real. And he's rebelling against God. And there are people who are rebelling against God. That's why. It doesn't give us a perfect answer to every situation, but, but generally speaking, there's evil. Things are not at the final position. But God is in a rescue mission. I just love, I, I just love the imagery of the, honestly, just sending these boxes out to really difficult situations. It's, a, it's like an image of getting into really difficult circumstances on a rescue that's where we are right now. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Rescue mission. And a prayer for protection as Christians and for guidance that we can keep out of temptation because there's evil all, all around us. Keeping praying can be a little bit difficult and challenging because sometimes we don't really recognise we need help. We often, if you're anything like me as well, there's so many things going on work, other things, that you can fill your life with so much stuff that you push out any time to pray. We often forget to pray and then realise later, I should have been praying about that. <laughs> we often get distracted really easily. I was actually hearing recently the attention span of children and adults has went down dramatically to just a couple of minutes, about five minutes attention span now because we're also used to phones and TVs and different things. So when it comes to prayer, all of us probably have problems to get distracted. We can give up on requests when they aren't answered quickly or they don't get answered the way we wanted. I kind of spoke about that. Sometimes that can affect our faith because we're not understanding that God's maybe saying no or God's saying wait. Jesus was aware of all these weaknesses and he went on to tell a parable. And I'll be closing just in a minute. He told a parable to his disciples to encourage them. It was quite a kind of funny, maybe unusual story. Jesus told picture stories to help explain messages and in this particular picture story he's telling uh, suppose one of you has a friend verse 5 and goes to him at midnight and says friend give me three loaves of bread at midnight <laughs> how would you react if somebody turns up at your door at midnight looking for a loaf of bread you'd be like have you not been to the co-op today <laughs> um, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to say before him then the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children are in with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you though, because he will not get up and give him bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to, to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So what is this? This is encouraging us to be persistent and to 
that this mystery that our God in heaven who is so great and marvellous wants us to come and say Father can you help me he wants us to it's a two way relationship it's not a forced relationship just in the same way as a healthy father and mother and their child should be it's a two way relationship it's a love relationship therefore our father wants to ask us to ask him for things and he gives us this maybe extreme story of a guy turning up at midnight asking for a loaf of bread just to maybe show us that don't think there's any reason why you can't ask yeah there's nothing too small there's nothing too big and don't be afraid of keeping asking isn't that encouraging and in this case um, he, he, he closes and I, think it's, I do think it's deliberate here t- to close with the concept of fathers again so he says in verse 11 which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead <laughs> that'd be quite dramatic wouldn't it or if he asks for an egg he will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him so as we've said today we as, fa- we as fathers and we, we, can, we have feelings and, and all of that we still know how to give good gifts to our children what it's saying there is your perfect father how much more will he give good things so, so what is that saying well don't be afraid to ask first of all be persistent but also know that God's never going to give you anything that's bad for you even if you maybe don't understand it at the time he's got a good plan he's going to give you good things so why wouldn't you ask him and maybe there's a block there in the whole concept of a father and I'm not being light on that today we don't always have fathers in our life father figures maybe that's a concept that doesn't help us but God is perfect and he has good things for us it's interesting that it mentions there the Holy Spirit the Father gives the Holy Spirit and I mentioned earlier on that we receive God's Spirit at salvation but we're also called to ask for filling of the Spirit and ask for God's help and strengthening it's a submission of our own will and asking God to help us and strengthen us and we should be doing that yeah and also in Matthew he kind of expands on it just a little bit and he says um how much more will your father, this is Matthew 7 verse 11, how much more will, will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So it kind of generalises, it says God has lots of gifts, just like I mentioned with the box seller on. Lots of things available that are good for you. And he'll spread them out and he'll give them when you continue to ask. I'm really encouraged by that message today. I hope you are. And, and just remember, if you haven't taken the step of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, there's no pressure but you can receive it maybe you've looked at the box before and you see an attraction to it maybe you've not understood what was all available inside it but it is available and it can be received and maybe you have received that salvation and maybe you're discouraged today because you feel as if things aren't going well things aren't where are all these gifts that God's given me well be encouraged he says he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you and you pray for his will to be done it might not be easy but he'll give you the strength and he'll take you through it. And we've got a hope for the future. With him for eternity in heaven. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today. And we just pray, Father, that you would just help the words that you would want to remain, just to remain in our hearts today. Help us to receive them, Lord. In Jesus' name. And I do pray, Father, if there's any here that 
just would want to receive some of this today, Father. We just pray that you'd help us to do that. Thank you, Father, that you're so good. You're so wonderful. You've provided so much for us. I just pray you'd help us in our understanding of these things today as we give you thanks for all of your goodness and all of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.